New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Today I'm hosting Mark Nepo, poet, spiritual guide, and author of many books, including Surviving Storms, Finding the Strength to Meet Adversity. I'm speaking with Mark at his home by remote connection. Mark, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Oh, thank you. It's great to be back with you. It's great to have you back. You know, here we are often, the storms of life leave us bruised, battered, suffering and grief, anxiety, worry. Um, It's your personal experience. I know that, like it or not, storms are also agents of transformation. So I'd love for you to share with us how we may see with you the blessings of the inevitability of the storms of life. Yeah, so it's very true on all levels. And one important thing is that the loss that is engendered, the pain, the breakage by storms, is not to be rationalized or skipped over or turned from or minimized. That is such a deep lesson in the human journey. We have to hold each other up and feel our disappointments and our grief and our loss. And and storms always open up paths and journeys and ways of being and living that we hadn't imagined and that we may not have chosen willingly. And it's really captured in a in a small, beautiful haiku by a an amazing uh, samurai turned poet from the 1600s. His name was Masahide. And he, after a long life of being a warrior, a samurai warrior, uh, he put down his sword for good and went to study with the great poet Basho. And I, I would have loved to have interviewed him. What storm caused you to choose a new way of life? And his haiku, just three lines, he, he said, My barn having burned to the ground, I can see the moon more completely. And there is so much of what we're talking about captured in those three lines, because it doesn't minimize the loss of the barn, especially if you imagine that maybe he built it or it was a family barn or something in his family. And the pain of that barn burning doesn't preclude that now that it's out of the way, He has a more direct connection to the moon and the vastness of the universe that may be his deeper teacher. Mm. So it's always a both and I have found in my life. You know, certainly, as you know, in my early 30s, I almost died from a rare form of lymphoma. I never would have chosen that, of course. And yet that opened me to my life's work. Well, I remember you writing about in some previous work at that time in your life, there was a moment where all you could do was just lay down on your couch and look out your window. Yeah. And it taught you something. It opened something. So you you talk about that which breaks us 
can also open us. Well, and, the, and one of the paradoxes in life, because this is not to turn, you know, being broken into some magical thing. The mystery is that we're often broken open and sometimes we're just broken and we don't often know which, but we all take turns, which is why we need each other. Because when I'm broken open and you're just broken, I can help you. And tomorrow we'll switch and you'll be broken open and I'll be broken and you can help me. So there's no getting away from the difficulty of life. And much of the time we are broken open. And this leads to the paradox of limitation. You know that when I was laying on that couch, unable to move, I had to accept that life and life force and God was everywhere. I didn't have to go anywhere. It was wherever I was. And that changed, you know, up until that point, especially being on, you know, the young side, I really wanted to travel. I wanted to go everywhere, see everything, do everything I could. Well, after that, well, certainly I welcome travel and I would like to go places if I could, but I didn't have to because I was forced to accept that the mystery and the beauty of life was everywhere. You know, one of the teachings I've learned through my life is that one of the most insidious assumptions about modern life is that life is other than where you are. <laughs> it's over there. If I could just get over there or it's in that, oh, that relationship. Oh, if I could just be there or that dream or that image of success or safety or you name it. And what I've learned uh, through life, and this is one of the lessons of enduring storms, is that there is no there. There's only here. And I'm thinking, too, in enduring storms about how they can erode our life in such a way to get down to some bedrock of spirituality, of what is truly tethering us to our spiritual grounding. And I've never heard anyone say anything like this before. You were born prematurely. Yes. And you ended up in an incubator. Yeah. And you talk about this as your first home, a home of solitude and silence. And it wasn't a negative thing. Most of us think about babies being yeah. in an incubator as being disadvantaged. Well, I, you know, I feel like it was a real um, aha for me that I was born three weeks immature. And at that time, 1951, I, I, you know, I was in an incubator for three weeks. And I'm sure there was some kind nurse or nurses who I will never know who they were to thank. But I'm sure it was difficult for my parents not to be able to bring me home. But I was in that time, I was in between worlds. I had a transitional solitude where I imprinted to the oneness of the universe. I imprinted to the mystery and the unity of things. So that when I finally did come fully into the world and met difficulty, even difficulty in my nuclear family, which was, as you know from my writing, pretty dysfunctional, I could go into silence and return to my first home. And I think that, you know, understanding that it helps me understand my life's work as a teacher has been to introduce and reintroduce people to their own gifts, their own wisdom and to their own first home, which is life itself. 
I think a lot of what we are suffering uh, so acutely in our modern world is the dislocation, the exile from our own home, which is the home of life. I don't know if there's a paradox here, because you also mentioned we are all immigrants on this planet. So the home is being a living part in a living universe. The journey while we're here takes on the character of immigration because we're all immigrating from birth to death, from being uh, unconscious to conscious, from being insensitive to sensitive, from being, again, a part and to rediscovering our place in the whole. So the journey of immigration more describes to me the character of our journey. But our home is our place in the amazing diversity of this amazing living universe. The bloodstream would not exist if, if not for all of those millions of healthy blood cells but they would have no place to be if there was no bloodstream. Mm -hmm. And every one of us is, you know, I mean, one way that I look at humanity is as a global body. In an individual body, I am healthy if I have one more healthy cell than toxic. I'd like a lot more, but as long as I've got one, every soul is a cell in the global body. And so our inner work, in addition to what we can do in the world against injustice and travesty and cruelty, in addition to that, our true authentic inner journey keeps one more soul in the world, in the global body, healthy. As you're talking, it reminds me that we are truly embedded in a whole web of interconnections. Absolutely. And there's a quote that you use from psychiatrist Gerald May, who said, consciousness is a renewable natural resource, which <laughs> despite all our attempts to clarify, rushes everything living together. Yeah. In other words, we're all in the same story. Yes, we are. We are. And I believe that great love and great suffering throughout time throw us back into that rush of life force. Things from the outside knock us down, distract us, or we distract ourselves, or we get embedded in the trauma, uh, a legitimate trauma that could take years to get out. Of. But great love and great suffering throw us back into that life force, which always brings everything together. That idea of wonder and awe really is beyond belief, beyond anything. When, when we're in that moment of wonder, it's, it's transcendent. It's beyond. You probably have better words for it than I do here. This is the real power of presence and why all the practices of meditation and different practices of engagement are all to have us return to how rare it is to be here at all. And when we regain that perspective, it cleans our eyes and our mind and our heart and our ears. And then we see with wonder and awe again. Then we feel like, oh my God, 
this thing out here, this, well, that I call a tree is, what is this thing growing out of the ground? (laughs) Exactly. And it really puts us truly in that sense of aliveness again, and where we can really feel that as a truthful space rather than just an intellectual space. This is where I believe that so much of our spiritual journey is a practice of return. You know, I I love that that, uh, medieval monks, when asked how they practiced their faith, said by falling down and getting up. And I recognize that a lot. So that practice of return to the direct being a part of that living stream. And I think one of the things we're suffering in our modern world is that we're all struggling for that return. We've all been interrupted from that corridor of aliveness. Beautifully said. Mark, I just want to thank you so much for helping us here along the way in the storms of life that are blowing us hither and yon, and (laughs) that maybe you're helping to ground us in something that is in goodness and is putting us in touch with that life force that's larger than any one person. So thank you so much. I've been speaking with Mark Nepo, and he's a poet, spiritual guide, and author of many books, including Surviving Storms, Finding the Strength to Meet Adversity. And to find out more about his work, you can go to his website, marknepo.com, and he spells his last name N-E-P as in Peter O, marknepo.com. Or you can get there through New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org, where you'll find over 1,700 programs in our archive. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.